You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Welcome to episode 34. This episode is all about creating plans for your yoga classes that will support you to teach with clarity and with passion. I'm going to share with you my personal process for creating class plans that have enough flexibility that you can adapt them to unexpected circumstances and also keep them organized so that you can reuse them, refining and updating as you go. I have a lot to say on this topic, and so I decided to break this up into two episodes. In part one, we'll start by getting clear on what a class plan actually is and why it's different from a sequence or a theme. I'll share my personal theory about class planning archetypes and how you can use yours to improve the way you plan your classes. And then I'll go into different elements of a class plan in more detail. In part two, I'll talk about systematizing and organizing your class plans in a way that will allow you to save time by adapting and reusing them again and again. Not every yoga teacher plans their classes, and that is completely fine with me. I would rather that you don't plan your class if having a class plan is going to be a burden or distract you from being with your students. I believe that while class plans can be helpful, it's important to treat them like a tool rather than a set of rules. So please take anything from this episode that is helpful for you and leave anything that you don't think is going to work for you for somebody else to use. Let's get clear on some definitions so we make sure we're speaking the same language. Sometimes yoga teachers use the word class plan, but what they really mean is either theme or sequence. The way that I use these words, a class plan will probably include a sequence and also a theme, but honestly, it doesn't have to. Your sequence is the order of poses and the practices that you plan to teach. And for some people, that's enough. Some people, that is as much as they're going to plan in their classes. Your theme, though, is a teaching point or a mental emotional focus that creates a sense of continuity and progression for your class. So both of these, sequence and theme, might be part of a class plan, but a class plan is going to include perhaps other components also, and the class plan is going to lay out the priority of these components. Whatever elements you end up including, it's important to be clear about which is the most important, at least one that's the most important, so that if there ends up being some conflicts between elements, that it's easy for the one that's not the priority to simply fall away and you know where to go you know what to focus on and what to pay attention to so to sum it up sequences and themes are specific and they narrow your focus while a class plan is more general and encompassing although each of us are complex beings and i'm by no means suggesting that every single person falls into these categories When it comes to planning our classes, most of us fall into one of two categories. We're either planners or we're wingers. 
If you're a planner, then usually you've thought out the sequence, the theme, the music, sometimes even the amount of time each section should take. You will have a tendency to get caught up in your copious notes, and sometimes you forget to pay attention to the actual students in front of you. In addition, a planner can sometimes get thrown off kilter if one of your planned elements doesn't go according to plan. For example, if the music stops working. If you're a planner, your classes tend to be focused and balanced and end on time, but sometimes you might come across as a little bit uptight or even removed if you're really spending a lot of time focused on your notes. On the other side of the spectrum, some yoga teachers that I call wingers abhor a plan. If the idea of committing to a sequence or a theme ahead of time makes you nervous, you're probably a winger. Many very experienced yoga teachers wing their classes and with amazing success. A lot of times newer teachers will have a harder time with this technique. Sometimes they'll blank out on what to do next. And that can lead to some awkward sequencing and uncomfortably long holds and kind of random poses. Counterintuitively, wingers tend to stay a little bit more inside their comfort zone while they teach and offer often a very similar sequence each class. If you're ready for it, then winging can really help you be very, very present because you have to be. So this can make you a sensitive, responsive, and adaptable teacher. Both the willingness to plan and the willingness to change your plan are helpful in teaching your best yoga classes. If you recognize yourself as either a planner or a winger, this can give you some clues as to where your growing edges are as a teacher. If you see yourself as more balanced between planner and winger, that's awesome because as you might guess, that's the place where you can take advantage of both tendencies. In case you haven't guessed, my nature is more of a planner. Keeping up with this podcast requires planning strategies. And if you listen to this episode, you're probably more likely to be a planner than a winger. If you know yourself to be a winger and you're listening, that's a great sign because it means you're aware of your growing edges and you're willing to engage in them. I think for a winger, that's more than half the battle because they are they have more ease in changing course. They're not so concerned with having a plan. I believe it is easier for a winger to learn to do some amount of planning than it is for a planner to learn to let go. <laughs> when you sit down to create a class plan, I recommend that the first thing you choose is your theme. Remember that the theme is the thread that weaves the elements of your class together. Your theme can be super simple or more complex depending on your style. It could be one word, it could be a phrase, it could be an insight that you had recently. I like to start from the inside out to figure out what is really alive for me and then see how that overlaps with what my students need. The best themes are the ones that feel exciting and relevant to the teacher because when you teach a theme that excites you, it'll infuse your class with energy. You're the leader, you're the space holder. However, be careful not to make the theme about you. You can tell stories about your life but make sure that you tie it back to what's relevant for your students. If you think of a theme, but you're not sure if it is universal enough, if it is inclusive enough, 
One of the best ways to add both potency and also inclusivity to a theme is to include a paradox or a relationship between complementary opposites. An example of this would be effort and ease. When you teach a theme that includes complementary opposites like this, it's easier for your students to find their place in it, as opposed to say a theme maybe like peace, where some students will, will really resonate and feel like it's the perfect theme for them, but others might struggle and not feel connected to it. I'm not suggesting that every single theme that you teach needs to have this, but it's a good technique to have in your pocket if you've got a theme that you're working with that's not quite landing, that's not quite full enough for you. I like to sit down and meditate before planning my class. Usually my monkey mind is immediately hard at work trying to figure things out for me. Sometimes it's quite a challenge for me to feel beyond the mind chatter into feelings, but it does get easier with some practice. See, the goal of meditating before planning my class is not to think up a theme, which is what my brain really wants to do, but instead to meditate and to actually meditate and allow a theme to arise naturally as a byproduct. This is easier said than done, but just stick with whatever type of meditation already works for you that you're already working with and notice whatever stories or desires come up around choosing a theme, incorporate them into your experience of meditation. There's no need to fight them or get rid of them or be led by them. Of course, you sometimes will. You'll be distracted and then you'll come back to your actual meditation. If after my meditation is over, nothing has come up for me or crystallized for me, I'll usually go back to a list of themes that I've used in the past, and I'll see if any of them call to me in this moment. And pretty much 100% of the time, I'll find one that I'll be like, oh yeah, that one. That feels really alive for me right now. If you don't have your own list already, you can use the list of 100 yoga class themes that I send out to my newsletter subscribers. If you don't have that list yet, you can get it by going to teachingyoga.net slash join. Many yoga teachers like to use a philosophical or emotional theme, but other yoga teachers stick to a more physical, concrete concept or even an asana category. You can use both, but that will definitely add some complexity to your class. And if you're a newer teacher, you'll want to keep things as simple as possible. Let's go over some examples to help clarify the difference between a mental emotional theme and a physical theme and how that might affect your classes. For example, imagine that you're teaching a gentle yoga class and most of the class are retired women. You know that many of them are avid gardeners. As a physical theme, you might choose to focus on strengthening the back body to balance the bending over they do and invite ease into their physical bodies, balance and ease. Or with the same group, you might choose the emotional theme of nurturing their bodies the same way they nurture their plants. The sequence could be similar in either case, but for the theme of nurturing, you might add in more restorative postures or more breath focus. Your tone of voice and the language you use could differ as well. You might use a bright and encouraging tone for the strengthening theme and a softer and more inviting tone for the nurturing theme. 
Once you've settled on a central organizing theme, I find it extremely helpful to craft a short, succinct statement that captures your message in an easy-to-understand form. For example, Today will balance the bending over you do in your garden with back strengthening so that your body feels better and you have more energy to spend in the garden tomorrow. Or, today I invite you to treat yourself with the same nurturing attention as you treat your plants. These are just examples. These are not ones that I've actually used myself. I'm not 100% sure that I would, but I think that they're good enough for helping you understand what these sound like. Once you've created your own core message and it feels authentic to you, I recommend that you repeat it aloud to your students several times throughout class. It'll still be helpful even if you don't like it enough to say it aloud, but at least repeat it silently to yourself. The fun thing is that sometimes the core message evolves throughout the class, so it might not even sound the same each time you say it. And as you get towards the end of class, it starts getting better and better. Once you have your theme in a place that you feel good about it, that is the time that if you want to, you can plan out your sequence of poses. The reason that I like to plan the theme first is that sometimes poses won't fit with a theme, that they'll kind of detract from the theme. So for me, the theme is more important, and I want to make sure that the poses I choose, the practices I choose, the exercises that I choose are supportive of the theme. One thing I see frequently with new yoga teachers is that they often get really stressed about getting the sequence right. There are so many different ways to do a sequence right. So if having a plan and then trying to stick to that plan is stressing you out, it is taking your attention away from your students and that is not in their best interest. If you notice that pattern happening to you, there's two different ways that you could address it. One is that you could plan fewer poses, just kind of general pose categories, three or four poses that you wanna make sure you get in there. Or the other option is to create maybe three or four sequences that you practice frequently, memorize, have deep in your body, and then you don't have to worry about remembering them because they're, they've become a part of you. And for this situation, I recommend using whichever technique feels more natural and more comfortable to you. Because when you first start teaching yoga, there's so much that is out of your comfort zone that you don't really need to add to that. Now, once you start getting really comfortable teaching and maybe you start feeling like, oh, I'm not so inspired anymore. My classes are all the same. I'm not excited to teach, that's when you start adding some bits of challenge back in there. Personally, even if I have a sequence planned out that I'm really excited about, I never do it exactly the way I planned it. I will always adapt based on the actual people in the room. And, you know, the truth is that teaching other people always takes longer than, or almost always, takes longer than you imagine that it will. In 14 years of teaching, I have only a few times been stuck where I was like, oh man, I've got time left and no more plan. I almost always have too much plan and not enough time. The moment by moment adapting in response to what I see with my students is actually one of the most fun part about teaching to me because it feels like a relationship 
and like my students are in some ways co-creating the class with me. While theme and sequence are the most common building blocks of your class plan, there are a lot of other components you could choose to include also. I'll go over some options that you could include in your plan in a moment, and you can choose which ones you think are appropriate based on your style of yoga that you teach, the location and environment you teach in, and your own personal passions. One of my favorites is bhav or bhavana. This is the feeling tone of your class. If you contemplate and consider how you want your students to feel during your class, then you can moderate your poses, pace, and tone of voice based on this. This is really helpful for me as a more analytical person because it helps me be more connected with my students and it helps me be a little bit softer and more heart-based, for lack of a better word. Some yoga teachers are fantastic storytellers and they always have a story to include in their yoga class plan. These stories could be personal anecdotes, myths, or even things that you've read. Some yoga teachers will always include a scripture and or a chant. You can also anticipate what props that you might want to use so that you can tell your students to get them at the beginning of class. Finally, you might do some brainstorming and planning around language. You can think of keywords, synonyms, and metaphors, and put them in your class plan so that in quiet moments, you can just glance at them and, and remember. You may not use them in that moment, but just doing the brainstorming ahead of time, I think, opens up your capacity for more creative language. Obviously, planning out all of these elements would be an enormous task. So unless you're teaching a longer format, like a workshop or a retreat, you probably would do better in choosing just one or two of those other elements to think about. On that same note, you can incorporate more of them into a 90-minute class than a 60-minute class. When I teach a class that's just 60 minutes, I usually won't do a Dharma talk at the beginning, and I do in a 90-minute class. In a 60-minute th class, the theme is infused more subtly into the, into the sequence, and then it's emphasized during the meditation at the end, which is the big finale for me. This is like what the whole thing is leading up to. So that's the basics of a yoga class plan. I hope that it was helpful, that it gave you some good ideas. Most importantly, I hope that you feel like you've been given permission to do your class planning in the way that works for you and fits your personality, and that as you become more confident and comfortable with your class planning, that you then start to push into the places where you're less comfortable as a way to grow. I'd love to see some of the class plans that you create using this podcast on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. If you're not already a member, you can join by going to teachingyoga.net slash join. If you love this kind of deep dive into planning and teaching yoga classes, and you're located in a place where you can get to Asheville, North Carolina, I have a few upcoming continuing education workshops for yoga teachers. Starting in February, I have a series of one-day workshops that is spread out over four months. Each workshop covers a different topic and they do build on each other, but you can also take just one or two if that works better for you. 
I'll include a link to more information in the show notes. And you can also go to AshevilleCommunityYoga.com and look under trainings or type the art of teaching into the search bar in the upper right hand corner. That is it for today. I hope that you have a wonderful week, that you enjoy the new year energy, and maybe also enjoy getting back to your routine after the holidays. I know I'm really looking forward to that. My three-year-old being home from school for two weeks is definitely throwing a wrench into my ability to plan my days and get my work done. So whether you're getting back to your old routine or starting some new routines, I hope that you remember to make time for your personal practice. It's truly the most important element to being an extraordinary yoga teacher. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. 